0: The following Shiur has been presented by Rabbi Yehoshua Sova, Rav of Ezra, Miami Beach, Florida. For more Shiurim or information, please visit vshc.org or call 1-844-200-PSHC.
1: That's 1-844-200-8742. <laughs> Bezrat Hashem, we will be discussing the very last pasuk in the entire Torah, and for all the great strength, and for the great fear, that Moshe did in front of the eyes of the Jewish people. So, we'd like to focus on two aspects of this pasuk. The first is that Moshe did. That he did. What do you mean that he did? So Rashi says, That he had the confidence to break the lochot in front of Klai Yisrael. When we were doing the Egele like says, me, That I broke it in front of their eyes. And the Baruch Hu agreed to what Moshe Rabbeinu did. Like it says in the pasuk, "Asher that you broke. Kocha thank you for breaking the luchot. So the question is, how did Rashi Hakadosh see from the words "Asher that it was a somewhat of an affirmation of what he of Moshe Rabbeinu did? If anything, Moshe Rabbeinu risked that very possibly he was going to make another mistake, like he did with hitting the rock that he made his own calculation that since people were thirsty and you have to give people immediately what it is that they need, he figured that he'll circumvent what HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, and therefore he will not speak to the rock, but rather he'll hit the rock and therefore to minimize the nes galoi, to bring water to Kala Yisrael, and he was punished because of that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, because you were not Mekadeshim shem the way I asked you to be, Therefore, you're going to get punished, you not coming to Eretz Yisrael. So the question is, Moshe Rabbeinu was running a risk by breaking the Luchot, so why would he do such a reckless thing? And the Pasuk says, Asher Shei how is that an affirmation from the words Asher where did Rashi HaGadosh see that? So in answer to the first question, why did Moshe Rabbeinu do such an act? So I want to have heard a beautiful explanation, which is that when Moshe Rabbeinu came, the Midrash tells us that the luchot were actually made out of San Perin, out of sapphire stone. And they were actually quite heavy. However, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a nest that since the Khtav was Meketav since the otiot that were written on the luchot were actually from HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, so it came out that the sapphire stones that held the luchot was actually being held up, like the Aron Kodesh. That the Aron HaKodesh would actually lift up the people who thought they were lifting up the Aron HaKodesh. No, the Aron HaKodesh was lifting the people who thought that they were lifting up the Aron HaKadosh. And therefore the same thing also here. The Sampirin, this sapphire stone, was so heavy that it was not possible for a human being to actually hold it. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu was docheh, that by him having the Mekhtav on it, he was immediately able to see that it was a nest, and therefore when he was bringing it down, he was able to bring it down quite easily because of the Mikhtav Elohim. However, when he came down and he saw Egal HaZahav being worshipped, and he saw the Jewish people were dancing with B'Simcha V'Avera, he saw Otiot Porchot B'Avir, that the letters flew off the Mikhtav of the samperin of the Sapphire, and he now was left with two very heavy stones. And as a result of that, he either threw it or he dropped it, but the point is, he it was not as physically possible for him to hold such a heavy load. And therefore, he broke it. So, why would Moshe Rabbeinu do it? The answer is, he realized that if it had no special physical element, physical possibility of him to do that, and beforehand it did, obviously, HaKadosh Baruch was not Nichale, HaKadosh Baruch was not happy with what was going on, and he understood by inference the HaKadosh Baruch Hu was trying to hint to Moshe Rabbeinu. This is the Riton Hashem that unfortunately they cannot bring these Luchot down to the Kalei Yisrael. So that's why Moshe Rabbeinu did that. It was not considered reckless. But where do we see in the Pasuk that he agreed to such a thing? And the answer to that is, Asher Shibarta. From the words Asher. Like it says, Ki Banot. That Asher comes from happiness. Like Chaim Mo'ushed. Mo'ushar. You have a happy life, a fulfilled life. And the Midrash says that the Binot Asher were known to be very beautiful, and their husbands were always happy, because it sounds like they were beautiful inside and outside. And what we see from here is Asher is that representation of that of giving an Ishur, a stamp of approval. So Rashi is telling us the tip-off is, when it says in the Pasuk, Asher shibata," in other words, underline the words Asher, that Asher means, I'm happy, I'm giving you a an Ishur, and therefore Rashi continues, says, Yasher hashi Thank you for doing that. I'm giving an Ishur, I'm giving a stamp of approval that this is correct in what you did. We find also, in Parashat Vayigash, that the same idea of this Pasuk saying Asher is also, when it says, you Yosef Achichem, When Yosef said, I am your brothers after you revealed to them, Asher Machartemoti Mitzrayim. And the key word is Asher Machartemoti Mitzrayim. That you sold me into Egypt. And the Mufarshim say, why did he say Asher Shibarta? The same idea as well. Because Asher Machartemoti, that you sold me to Mitzrayim. Why did you, why did he say that? Again, the Mufarshim say, it's because this idea is, you thought you were trying to harm me, but look, I'm the viceroy of Egypt. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a plan for why I had to end up where I had to end up. You were part of that plan. So of course I harbor no ill feelings towards you. You actually were a manifestation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's and therefore I'm happy. YaShikoch as if he's saying. And now we'd like to bring four halachic questions based on this Pasuk that has to do with the Sefer Torah. The question is, we know that there are different minhagim when it comes to writing Sefer Torah. We have Bet Yosef, Arizal, and there might be another variation of writing the Otiot. But there's actually some Mepharshim that they say, there's some Otiot, although they may have different variations, but more or less they're the same. And if you have a Sefer Torah that's written from one versus the other, it's a person definitely can make Berachot on them, and they don't have to worry, because it's not like one letter or a word, is actually changed. That means that if a word or letter is changed, it would invalidate the entire sefer Torah. So the question is the following. We know that the Temanim, they have a sefer Torah that is written slightly different than the sefer Torah that we have. And the most pronounced difference is when it says in the Torah, a Daka, a certain type of person who has one of their body parts, crushed, and the Sefer Torah that we have, it's written, Daka is Dalet Chaf He. And the He that we have is subject to a discussion about whether or not that is the correct spelling. Because the Temanim, they do not have Dalet Chaf He, rather they have Dalet Chaf Aleph. And therefore, the question now is, if a person were to be in a Kehila, that they have a temani Sefer Torah, and one were to be asked to get an Aliyah, are they allowed to make bracha Torah on such a Sefer Torah? Why? Because how can I make the Berchah? Noten torah. Hashem, you give me the Torah. When this Torah, according to my opinion, is not a valid Sefer Torah. They may, if they want to make that, that's their minhag, that's fine. But for me to make a bracha on something that they consider okay, but I don't consider okay, am I allowed to do that? So the Igrot Moshe in Choshe Mishbar Chelebet, in Siman Mem Ot Gimel, he brings down that there is a Machloke between the Rivash about whether or not a person could use such a Sefer Torah or not. And he goes further and says that the Temanim, they would also make Simanim. And the Simanim that they would make, excuse me, the Sefer Torah with the Temanim, if you're allowed to make a Bracha, is the Tzitz Eliezer. He says that although technically you have an ot that's different, so you'll say, well, what's the big deal? It's not like it's changing the word or changing the meaning. It's not like it's saying a totally different word. He brings out from the Chida that the Chida says that if you have no other Sefer Torah, you could read it. However, When it comes to Bracha, you have to be very careful and wary and not to be And therefore, if a person wants to, he could even go so far as to take such a Sefer Torah. If that Sefer Torah is in a kila, that is not Temani, and you want to use such a Sefer Torah, whether it's of historic value or one got it as a gift, the person wants to use such a thing you could be mitakken the tsefer Torah by fixing it and changing the letter and obviously changing the last word of Yisrael afterwards to be mitakken as if you wrote the entire tsefer Torah from beginning to end. But the tziteleazra was very clear that a person should not make a berchata Torah on such a tsefer Torah because although it's their minhag, but that's not our minhag and therefore we should not do that. The igrod moshe that I quoted before in Choshe Mishbat was talking about, if a person was asked to read from a Sefer Torah, that the Temanim have, that they have little Simanim, that they have to know when a Sof Pasuk is, Et Nachta, and they have by pressing very hard, or they put little dots at the end or the side, the question is, does that involve that the Sefer Torah or not? So, the Rivash, he says that anything which is done on a Sevet Torah, which is not kavua, which is not a set thing, it's mutar meikar It's okay. So, putting little dots or little impressions on the klef, onto the parchment, would not necessarily invalidate the Sevet Torah. However, uh, Moshe Feinstein brings down from the Revit HaZahav, that he says, if it's nikar Ayede beit shenuyin. if you could see through this, there's two types of changing, then then for sure you could change it. Meaning, it's fine. Meaning, if a person sees that there's something different about the Sefer Torah, and he won't come to make a mistake, then that this is how Sefer Torah are written, because you go back to where you live, and you're and you'll tell them, I was just at a keilah and beautiful, and you should know, in the Sefer Torah, I saw something very interesting. They had dots, and we know where the sopa Pasuk, and Nachda was a person may m- m- make a mistake and say that's the correct way and the easier way to read a Sefer Torah. But if it has two shinuyim that you know something's a little off here, already it's two differences that are very pronounced. The revida HaZahavah is of the opinion that it's mutar for a person to use such a Sefer Torah. It's no problem at all. However, the Maharishal, he's khalek, he argues, and he says, this is also like adding an ot, a hat, it's like adding, putting a little nikuda. He said it could be an ot yod. You don't know what it is. So he says, based on that, R' Moshe Feinstein said, asur for a person to have such a sefer Torah. But Avad, if post facto a person were to have such a sefer Torah, it would be allowed. Of course, it goes without saying that on Shei Taiman, it would be hundred percent mutar for them to use because there's no problem. That's their minhag. That's what they have. That's what they use. The third question is: Let's say a person gave over a sefer Torah to Bet Knesset. And it was in the Beit Knesset for many years. We're talking about fifteen years, and lo The person never said anything about it. And one day, the person woke up one day and said, "You know what? I want to take the Sefer Torah back." So obviously, the people in the Beit Knesset are very upset. They said, "What do you mean? You left the Sefer Torah here, and and obviously it's uh, it, well, obviously you showed by the fact that it was here on all this time, you're allowed to have such a place." for the Sefer Torah, and to take it away, you can't do that. It, is, it was by default. It's, it's our, our Kila Sefer Torah. So, Ramosh Feinstein, in Yoradea Gimel Kufyud he was talking about a specific case of somebody rescued a Sefer Torah from the Shoah, from the Holocaust, and this person got it from a Bet Knesset in Austria, which is obviously one of the first countries that were annexed by the Nazis, in And when... This person went into Austria, it sounds like he went with great Messierut Nefesh to make sure that Sefer Torah was safe and he bought it and with the money that he bought, he took that Sefer Torah to another country and he just, his argument was, I just stored it there and now I want it back. You're right, it was there for 15 years, but now I want it. About the Rav and the B'Tek said, that's very nice, you want it, but for 15 years, you never said anything, and now suddenly you want to come, and he says, and we put, we put a lot of work into it, we, we had to upgrade it a little bit and give tikkunim, uh, and we had to pay a sofer to look it over, there are things that, various things that we had to do. So the question they did, they had was, who is the rightful owner of this, this Sefer Torah? So Ramesha Feinstein said, he said, I'm going to do a Psharah between the two, and he said that, the person who smuggled the Sefer Torah—that's a very noble thing that he did, amazing. But the fact is, you gave it b'matana to the Bet Knesset, and you can't argue. You can't be what they call an Indian giver. You can't give something and then wake up some time later and then say, "Oh, I want it back. I want it. To, uh, I want it for my own personal use." You can, or even if it's not your own personal use, you want to change but the Knesset. You cannot do that. You gave it, and you didn't say anything. So by you keeping quiet, you're obviously admitting that it belongs there. Now if suddenly you're waking up, that's not enough of a valid reason to reclaim the Sefer Torah that you donated a long time ago. I, ah, you're going to say that all the money that was given for the Sefer Torah, so he says, okay, so then the Rav Bet Knesset should pay this person and tell him that they want. But he says that he could go fifty-fifty. 50-50. Whoever wants to buy out the other person should buy out the other person, whatever the Sefer Torah costs. And each one of them has sort of a credit towards what they pay toward the Sefer Torah of the smuggling fee and also the tikkunim that was done and whatever it might be. The fact is that once a Sefer Torah was given, it is now belonged to the Bet Knesset and therefore there is no question about that. And he says a very powerful statement in his conclusion. It says, because the purpose of a Sefer Torah is to be read. It's not to sit in a museum. It's not to sit as an antiquated item. It has to be used and show. It's Torah Chayim. It's something that is our life. It's our lifeblood. And we show uh, honor to it and we try as much as possible to bring it out and to read it with it. And if it's not for use of a person, let's say, for their own private use, it seems to be, That's what that was the discussion. It says in the case over here where it was used in the Bet Knesset and it sounds like it was quite often, it would have to stay in the Bet said in such a case. And the final question that we're going to discuss is can a person use a computer program to check if a Sefer Torah, Tfilim, are okay or not? Now many postkims say it's 100% fine because it just speeds up the process and why can't you do that? Uh, they're very they're very quick in catching any mistakes and uh, what should be the issue? The Minchat Yitzchak in Chelik Yud in Otiyot Petet and Tzadi brings down that using a machshev, using a computer is not that it decides, but it could just be me'orer. Meaning, you can't give a, 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 a positive report and say, this is 100% kasher, the computer said it's fine. No, the computer didn't say it's fine. You have to, if the computer said it's fine, you do a quick look, look over too. That can help you if you're a sofer to say that I want to see if the sefer is fine. But it's not enough to say that this is the, this is the final authority and therefore I don't have to bother looking myself. No, you have to do the actual looking. Because, bidika has to be beinayim. And to conclude with a very interesting story, I heard this a number of years ago, that Chaim Kanyevsky Shlita was one time approached by somebody who said that, I know of a gematria, I'm just making up a number, I'm not exactly sure how many times it says this, but, we know that the gematria of Moshe Rabbeinu is 657 t- times and the gematria of 657 is and before he had a chance to say what 657 equals, Rab Chaim picked up his hand and said, stop, you used a computer program to know 657, is that not correct? And the person was a little fl- flustered, he said, well, yeah, I know, but how does the Rabbi know, you're a Navi? So he started laughing, he says, no, I know that the Torah has Moshe Rabbeinu's name 655 times, not 657. You're off by two. So the person says, how in the world do you know that? I mean, how's that possible? So B'chaim started laughing and he brought it up as pasuk. He says, pasukim. It says that when Bat Bitya when she stretched out her hand to get Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, Mashé niado, from stretching out the hand. And Moshe is spelled mem shin he, and that is sounds like to a computer. It doesn't read nikudot. It sounds. It looks like it's Moshe, but it's not. It's Moshe. And also bayit miot mise. When it talks about the Korban Pesach, it says mechse, mechse bayit miot mise from the se. Now again, a computer doesn't know the difference between a shin and a sin, and it says it's spelled mem Sin, he. And therefore, it looks like Moshe, but it's not really Moshe. <laughs> so you see that just because you have a machshev, just because you have a computer, not necessarily is that the end all for, for correcting something. It could point out that maybe something is a little amiss or something is wrong. That could be. But the eyes have to be the ones that see. So we see from all this is that a beautiful interpretation now to something else it says, Yisrael, In the eyes of all Yisrael. HaKadosh Baruch Hu did it specifically for the eyes. We had to see it. You see how powerful a Jew's eyes are. That Moshe Rabbeinu had to do shvirat haluchot, in front of our eyes. And you see that the Torah that was given to us was given also that we were able to be et We could see sounds. Why is that an important point? important aspect of that is to show that seeing something is very important. So a lot of times we hear Shi'orim, we hear classes, uh, or we may hear certain things. It's very important for us to look it up and to actually see B'Khtav, what's written. Because Otiot Machkimot, because the letters actually make you more of a sharper, wiser person. And that could be why it says, Asher Moshe. The Moshe did... Was How do you know that? Through your eyes. When you see something, it makes a much more pro- profound impact. You can't compare hearing something from hearsay versus that of something of actually seeing it. When you see something, it makes a more profound effect. So my everyone is that we should take all the kochot that we have, see the otiyot machkimot in whatever it is that we're doing, and in that z'chut bezat Hashem, we will be zochet the HaKadosh Baruch Hu will also give us an yishor and say, Yashir Kochacha, thank you for what it is that you've done for me, and I stand behind you in all your decisions.
0: This audio series has been brought to you by the Sephardic Halacha Center. The center is committed to advancing research and application of halacha in the Sephardic community nationwide. For a halakha consultation, Monetary Bet din Services to order this series or to sign up to receive the Sephardic Halakha Journal, or for all other information, please call 1-844-200-TSHC or email info at theshc.org to subscribe.